Sony. Hello, Canada. Today's date is May 22nd, 2022. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense, Canada's Issues in Under an Hour. It is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. How goes it, my friend? Well, as you know, you and I have both ha had experiences with homeless people this week. <laughs> we certainly have, and uh, <laughs> oh, Canada, I, uh, our regular listeners know that I live next door to a drug dealer. Um, they tend to attract some unsavory people at times, and unfortunately, I was uh, downstairs having a nap when my wife yelled at me I needed to come upstairs right now because a, well, I'm going to guess a client of our friendly neighborhood drug dealer walked right through the front door and flopped herself down on our couch. So. <laughs> now, this isn't the first time you've had someone walk into your house. It's not, yeah. I mean, uh, thankfully, the, a couple of years ago, there was a gentleman who was innocent enough, I think legitimately just came to the wrong house. He was looking for next door, and at least with him, it was like, sir, you're in the wrong house. Okay, he turned around and left. This gal was so out of it, she didn't know left from right, and... Uh, you know, trying to, uh, like she flopped on the couch. She tried to pick up our kitten. She couldn't get that right. And uh, you could tell she was on meth and she was barely coherent. And so uh, by, you know, by the time we, when a neighbor came to help to get her up and get her outside and get the police called and whatnot, she was, uh, she was, she was barely able to, to stand, let alone to walk. So I, uh, I actually felt really sorry for her. I mean, I really, uh, when, when uh, the police came to talk to us, I just said, like, this lady needs help. And, uh, you know, they were just going to take her to a shelter. So at least she could have access to help if she wanted it. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I uh, was parked at uh, an appointment on Thursday afternoon. And I had uh, a homeless person steal a 250-foot roll of landscape fabric out of my trailer which um costs about three hundred dollars and i could not understand why anyone would steal that until uh a friend said oh that would make good tent material oh. and uh, yeah and so um yeah like there's gonna be a, a tent city out there with no weeds apparently <laughs> so but uh but yeah i mean it that makes sense. After after my friend said that, I was like, "Oh, you're right." A homeless person stole landscape fabric out of my truck. Wow. That's... Yeah, but it's but I mean, uh, it, it's this homeless situation is getting quite bad, and it's uh, and, and this inflation is not helping. No, that's right, and that and that's really one of the causes. I mean, you're when you've got, and it's it's sad that the number keeps going up. Like my wife, who sometimes l listens in when we record a show, she uh, says, "Well, I can repeat the stats because you you say it often enough in your show." And it's like, well, no, the it, the number keeps going up. I mean, it's I think it's what was our last time. Fifty seven percent of Canadians don't know if they can pay their bills, and that's uh, we're all like one or two paychecks away from being homeless. Yeah. No, that's absolutely right, and it's, um, I mean, it's it's just, my neighbor's house just sold for 35 grand over asking, and there was only one offer. Weird. Yeah, like, the, 
the the cost of housing just keeps going up the cost of everything just keeps going up i mean it's gas has gone up again it's um i mean i live in a highly uh a highly trafficked area for um tourists right like it's a very very um popular tourist destination like i live in the okanagan and it's um it's one of like the top three tourist destinations in the country. And this being May long weekend, there's hardly anyone here. Oh, like, like we, there is nobody here. Like we, there's no increase in traffic. Um, it's like Penticton is like, a. It's it's kind of empty. It's almost deserted. Like I was driving through town yesterday, and it felt like there was less traffic than normal. Um, like nobody's coming because of the gas prices. Oh, for sure. Yep. I mean, I uh, I won't let my truck go below half because it's just too painful. Because even that half tank is was it you had yesterday ninety eight dollars, and it wasn't even down to half. Well, I I uh, my truck. The low, the low fuel light came on, and I went, "Oh crap!" And uh, so I went and filled it up. And I, when I was, I, I pre-selected two hundred and fifty dollars, and that did not fill it. Oh jeez. <laughs> and so, I mean, I can understand people are just staying home now, and so this inflation is not hurting just, you know. Um, your your budget for your your home, you know, food is increased. Uh, your everything's increasing, but people are also not traveling, and so the tourist industry, the tourism industry, which for the last two years has taken like an absolute unprecedented beating, is continuing. Yeah, that's true. It's uh, no, it's sad, and it's it's going to get worse, Canada. But um, anyway. oh, it is. yeah, this is only the beginning. Yeah, exactly. So, and and the homeless, which is what we originally started talking about here, the homeless situations across this country are only going to get worse because I mean, like I, I just saw an article this morning about a se- uh, uh, a senior uh, couple. Like they are retired, and they, uh, and they've been tossed out on the street. And I mean, they're living in a tent, and they're almost—I uh, think they're seventy years old. Oh, God. I mean, like it's—it's it's just this is. We're, I've said it on this show a few times, but. Uh, this country is going down the drain, right, real quick. It is. And, uh, well, that's a good segue to uh, get to the show topics. <laughs> All right. On the show today, uh, more on the Freedom Convoy inquiry, a quick update on the Ontario, Ontario election, Elizabeth May dares to go bare, did Canada ban Huawei, is Pierre Polyev an Anglo-Saxon white supremacist? And more. Where do you want to start, sir? Uh, let's start with the Ontario election. 
Yeah, this this will probably be the last we mention the Ontario election until Doug Ford wins his landslide. But um, I thought it was important to bring up. Uh, advanced polls are now open. So any listeners in Ontario, if you haven't voted yet, you can. Advanced polls are open until May 28th. What's um, interesting with the election is that NDP leader Andrea Horvath and Green Party leader Mike Schreiner have both come down with COVID. So they're sidelined for the next five days, which leaves just Doug Ford and Stephen Del Duca to, to uh, be out on the campaign trail. So uh, <laughs> advantage Ford. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Ontario election has been um, kind of eye-opening as to the uh, thought processes and mental state of the left. Um well said. I mean, they're, they're, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what's wrong with them, but it's like they, like, they think that the Canadian population actually wants to go back into lockdowns and wants to be masked up, to, up again. I mean, because these are the things they're proposing. Oh, yeah. And, and Stephen Del Duca's all over vaccine mandates. He's, uh, He's now backed off on his province-wide handgun ban, but he says he will, you know, as premier, fight for a nationwide handgun ban. So I mean, he's still he's still crazy. Oh yeah, because banning murder has worked. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like <laughs> come on, like we got the the ruling class in this country, and I mean in most countries, but but especially in this country, the ruling class in this country are morons. I mean, how 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 do you possibly believe that banning handguns is going to stop gun crime? Well, exactly. Ask ask Mitch, Mitch Marner that from the Toronto Maple Leafs, who was just carjacked with a handgun not not long ago. Yeah, it's illegal to use a handgun that way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that that activity is banned. Guess what? Didn't stop the criminal because criminals don't give a crap about your bans. Yep, that's right. So. I mean, it's it's like murder is banned. Guess what? It happens. Shooting handguns at uh at at other gang members is banned. Yet, guess what? It still happens. I mean, it's illegal. It is it is banned to smuggle guns from the United States and then sell to gang members and organized crime in this country. Guess what? That still happens, and it's the main source of the overwhelming vast majority of illegal guns that are being used in Canada for illegal activity. That is all banned, and yet it still happens. Like, the only people that actually follow the rules are the ones you're trying to take the guns away from. Yep. <laughs> and, 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 and so, it's like, and, 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 and I mean, we just had this massive trucker convoy in Ottawa and we have demonstrations across this country and everything um, and yet 
the idiots on the left in Ontario are proposing, they're saying, vote for me so I can force you to get vaccines that the entire country was protesting against. And vote for me and I'm going to put masks back on your children in school. Um, vote for me and I'm going to... What makes you think people are going to vote for you when you keep telling them you're taking away their rights? Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And uh, well, since you brought up the Freedom Convoy, we'll uh, we'll go into that. And I deliberately called it the Freedom Convoy Inquiry in the introduction because it's not an inquiry into the government's invocation of the Emergencies Act, even though that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. But the uh, the government and their lapdogs in the media keep the lies going, and that is just pissing me off, frankly. And uh, a podcast I listen to every morning, uh, Susan Delacourt, who writes for the Toronto Star, still pushing the narrative that this convoy was foreign funded. And... Oh, that's been debunked. Completely debunked. Totally. Because because uh, uh, GoFundMe and uh, whatever the other one is called... Give, uh, send, go. Yeah, give, send, go. Both of those sites have come out and said exactly where the money was coming from. And foreign money was a very, very small percentage. Yeah, it was it was honestly like, frustrated Canadians who funded these things. Yeah, it was single digits. Yeah. Like from foreigns from foreign donors. It's like almost almost entirely funded by Canadians. That's right, yep. And then from the uh, Toronto Star to the CBC, that news anchor who suggested that Russia was possibly behind the Freedom Convoy, well, that was debunked quickly, but they never retracted that one. No, of course. Why would they do that? Yeah. And then Marco... They, 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 never, they never retracted their comments that, that Russia was behind Trump, too. So Well, that's right, yeah. So. And then uh, Marco Mendicino, who is a serial fibber to still continues to lie that the, that the uh, police were asking for the, for the emergencies act to be invoked. And. Oh but, yeah. Because commissioner Brenda lucky testified that they did not ask for the uh, emergencies act to be invoked. And I was, I was really shocked by that testimony because she she owes this government her job. Yeah, and then uh, the Ottawa police chief, the interim chief, backed her up and said, no, we, we didn't ask for uh, the Emergencies Act either. So, yeah. well, Mr. Mendicino, you're full of it. Well, and this is, this is something that really gets to me because you and I have been saying on this show since the Freedom Convoy, um, since they called the emergencies or invoked the emergencies act you and i have both been saying they didn't use any special powers from there except for the banking powers the the seizing of bank accounts that's the only thing that they used from the emergencies act that they weren't that they weren't uh that they couldn't use without it because the blockades at the borders those were taken down the day before the Emergencies Act was invoked. Yeah, I think really the only thing other than the banking, they, they compelled some tow truck drivers to to go in and tow some equipment away, which I don't know if you needed the Emergencies Act for that, but I 
Well, to, to compel them, you did, but I don't think, I think the only reason that they didn't, uh, that the tow truck companies weren't going in at the police request before the Emergencies Act was just because they didn't want to get uh, involved in a dangerous situation, right? Where, where, uh, where they would get attacked or something, trying to tool these trucks away. Oh, and, that's fair. And I mean, so after they cleared all the protesters out, I don't think they would have needed the Emergencies Act to get tow trucks in there. No, that's true. And, uh, well, nor would they have needed a Canadian Armed Forces Special Forces surveillance plane to fly over Ottawa while the Freedom Convoy was protesting in Ottawa. But we had one. Yeah, because they were doing that without the Emergencies Act. Exactly, yeah. And uh, it's kind of funny that the little tag the government puts on it is, it may have been acting without lawful authority. Well, then who the hell told them to fly it over there? And then, uh, and, uh, it's, it's such a crazy situation. I mean, I, I am happy that some of this stuff is coming out in this inquiry because like the, uh, the surveillance plane, um, or yeah, yep. I don't, it's, it wasn't a drone, right? It was a plane. It was um, a plane. Yeah. Cause I don't think Canada even has a drone. Um, but and that says a lot about our military, but the, uh, but yeah, the, I mean, I don't think we would have even heard about this had it not been for the increase. I mean, the inquiry, it has been good. Um, I think the focus is wrong, but but uh, we are learning some things we didn't know before. And I mean, like that surveillance plane is one of them. I mean, in my wildest dreams, I would not have guessed that that was real. No, yeah, same here. I mean, I'd never heard about it like you until uh, this inquiry went on. Now, I think this might even be in committee too. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's the stuff we're hearing that we would never have been told. And what it just sort of reinforces more and more to me that they're trying to punish wrong think more so than they're actually looking for any, any, uh, any violation of law. Oh yeah, no, absolutely, and it's it, it, like it's amazing to me that the Canadian government hasn't come up with a Ministry of Truth yet, like the like the Americans are trying. Well, I'm sure uh, it's coming. I mean, the Americans have suspended it because, oh, and this explanation's hilarious because they they said to the media that the reason that they were suspending their uh, disinformation panel or whatever they called it. Uh, for is because they put a pause on it because of disinformation about the panel. <laughs> and a reporter actually said, "So your your uh, panel of disinformation was suspended due to disinformation. Isn't that the whole point of the panel?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Yeah, and and speaking of disinformation, uh, also come out Marco Mendicino again. Did I mention yeah, he's guy, a serial fibber? That guy's a tool. The arson, the arson attempt. He still, until he finally couldn't carry it anymore, was trying to pin that attempted arson in that Ottawa apartment on the Freedom Convoy. And it turns out, oh, it was some dude from Ottawa, the lady dancing on the war memorial. Oh, whoops, some lady from Quebec who had nothing to do with the Freedom Convoy. Imagine that. Imagine that. Now, I'll wrap this up by uh, saying that 
They're happy to go after the Freedom Convoy, but at the same time that the Freedom Convoy was wrapping up, there was a terrorist attack at the Coastal Gas Link site in British Columbia. Not a single arrest yet. Oh, of course not. I mean, we we don't... That, that isn't a crime in the government's eyes. Some protests are okay, and protests that Justin Trudeau supports, he's fine with, and that's one of them. Huh. Interesting. Isn't it, though? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was reading this the other day, how there was nothing... Nobody had been arrested yet, and it's it's like, you know... There is actual surveillance video of these people doing everything that they did. And the RCMP and CSIS and all that, they, they keep track of all these terrorists because that's what they are. So why why haven't why hasn't anyone been arrested? Like this is it's insane to me that they they apparently don't know who these people were because they were highly organized. Oh yeah, very much so. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh... all right. So let's move on to Huawei. Now, whenever a government brings out a an announcement on a Thursday afternoon at four o'clock, right before a long weekend, you know that that's something they're hoping will just quickly die off the news cycle or be swept under the rug. And that's when they announced that they indeed are going to ban Huawei. But in their announcement, it doesn't actually say they're, they're, they have banned Huawei. It just says, we intend to introduce legislation that will ban Huawei. And then goes on to say that once this legislation has been passed, it will take a number of years for telecoms to remove Huawei 3G and 4G equipment from their networks. So... What did they really say? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it makes for a great soundbite to say, yes, we're going to ban Huawei. We've made the decision. But they didn't, if they had followed that with saying, and this legislation is Bill C, whatever, whatever, ready to go. But no, they didn't even say that. They just said, we intend to introduce legislation. Well, we know from watching this government for the past six and a half years that we've been watching, they don't ever do anything. So I'm I'm not even going to watch for this legislation because I don't think it's coming. No, I mean, the only thing they ever do is um, attack firearms owners and... Um, well, that's about it. Yep, and the energy sector. They like to go after the energy sector. <laughs> I mean, well, no, because the way they attack the energy sector is my, by not doing anything. Well, yeah, good point. Right? Like, they, <laughs> they, they, they don't pass pipelines and stuff like that because they just go, oh, let's make the environmental standards so difficult to pass that nobody does anything. And so, I mean, like this, they've been so noncommittal banning Huawei that I like you I am not holding my breath no definitely not so um I mean I I think I think China owns Trudeau somehow well, um, well they must yeah so um here, here's something that will make you hold your breath Lewis and that is petition E3999 
Now we. Oh, is this the one that Elizabeth May wants to uh, present? <laughs> yep, and we teased this out on our uh, Facebook page last night. Now, to be fair, the petition was brought forward by a constituent of Elizabeth May's, but she's bringing it right to Parliament, and <laughs> I, I, I'm just going to have to read it out. I wrote out the, some of the finer points in this petition. This petition is uh, all set, petition E399, don't forget, 3999, three, three nines, and um, it calls for a repeal of laws against public nudity. Yeah, I mean, the fact that Elizabeth May is the one that brings this forward just makes me uh, <laughs> shudder. Makes me shudder. Um. There, there, there are not very many people that I want to see naked in public. Nope, exactly. But here's there are the some, but not very many. And and the ones that generally want to go naked in public are not the ones you want to see naked. That's a very good point because that was actually one of the very first things I thought of when I read this. Well, when I, see when I went when I went to Mexico for my honeymoon um we had no idea when we booked our trip that the resort we were at was clothing optional and there was uh because it was a, an adult only resort and uh <laughs> the first day we were there you know one one of the women in the resort that you did want to see naked was naked um but Every other person, man and woman, that we saw naked when we were there were people that you did not want to see naked. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like there is, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about this. I, I'm all about freedom. I love freedom. Freedom is a paramount cornerstone to, to living in a free country, doing what you want. But I don't want to see most Canadians naked. Okay, well, here, I'll, let me try to convince you in the, uh, the, right, the, the statements. The yep, here's, here's what Elizabeth May gives his rationale. Number one, nudity is not intrinsically sexual, indecent, or obscene. Well, you've already knocked that one down. So. <laughs> it's definitely sexual. And in a lot of cases, it's definitely obscene. That's right. <laughs> And point number two, the existing prohibition on public nudity harms society by reinforcing the notion that the human body is inherently shameful. Nope. Yeah, I'm not buying that one either. Be because, and I'll tell you why. Because my naked body is definitely shameful. Yeah, I am. I'm going to... And, and I agree. Like I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm certainly not willing to go out there naked. And uh, hey, who wants to see a chubby fifty-year-old dude naked in public? No thanks. <laughs> well, I'm sure there's somebody. Well, maybe, but <laughs> I'm not willing to show them. So, <laughs> all right. Point number three: nudism is known to have significant benefits to physical and mental health. How exactly is nudism going to promote physical health when you sunburn your tushy? Yeah, I okay, I I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I've got nothing on that one. <laughs> I, I I don't I don't know who would be, would be making such a study and how they come up with that. I don't know 
whose mental health would be improved seeing a bunch of naked 65-year-old people? <laughs> uh, yep. All right. But, hey, there's more. We got two more points here. Uh, okay. Number four. Clothing and the process of washing it is known to cause significant water pollution in the form of microfibers. And I'm going to guess and detergents, but that's not in there. Just the microfibers. Yeah, okay. I, I'll, I'll give them that one. Yeah, well, I mean, I wouldn't say significant water pollution because we do have water treatment plants. But yes, that is true. Laundry yep. detergent would pollute the water. So Yeah, I, I agree with that one. Yeah, sure. I'm not sold on the petition yet, but that one point I will have to concede. Yep. All right. Point number five. Uh, Lewis, I hope you're sitting down because you are going to love this, my friend. The existing prohibition on public nudity is unduly Anglo-centric for a nation composed of citizens of many ethnic origins who value and respect cultural and racial diversity. <laughs> <sighs> and which and which cultures is it that that these laws are 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 harming um is it uh oh i don't know catholics no is it muslims <laughs> uh, hell no um yeah, like who, 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 what cultures, what cultures is it? Like, I mean, is it all the Spanish people that live in Canada? Um, Definitely not. Because <laughs> there aren't very many of those. Um, like, come on. Well, <laughs> what? It's harmful to, to different cultures. Oh, God. <laughs> if, if you go over to some of these countries where they have clothing optional beaches, like, the overwhelming majority of people still wear full bathing suits. Well, I'm, I I can't think of any society on Earth that you know is a that has a cultural norm of of public nudity like that where it's you know encouraged or just sort of a a part of daily life. I don't know of anyone anywhere. Uh, there's there's some tribes deep in the jungles of Africa that that nudity is normal but but like a first world country that has you know yeah it's it's just not that's just not reality no and i find it funny that they would use the word anglo-centric in there so that uh the woke well, that, crowd would get that, behind it that, well that's a good segue <laughs> to, the, to the next topic it is indeed because well Pierre Polyev had an interview with uh, with Jordan Peterson on Jordan Peterson's podcast, and he dared to say to Jordan Peterson that he can connect with with the common people and with younger people because he uses oh Canada. I hope you're bracing yourself for this one. Pierre Polyev admits that he uses Anglo-Saxon words. Yeah, well. What a white supremacist. Absolutely, yep. And uh, in a very rare moment of journalistic honesty, um, Joanna Smith, who was a Ottawa bureau chief with the Canadian Press, on a podcast was said, had said, actually in defense of Pierre Polyev, that, oh, this is actually right in our 
in our manual here in our handbook. And she had said that, like, uh, what Anglo-Saxon words, and then there's Latin words. Now, apparently Latin words are a bit more elaborate and, uh, you know, bigger words, but more formal speech. And so, she, and she had said that, oh yeah, like for example, an Anglo-Saxon word would be good instead of the Latin word favorable, for example, shorter. So Anglo-Saxon just being shorter and more succinct. And then of course she had to uh, realize what show she was on because it was a CPAC show. And said, but but I can see how uh, with you know with Pierre Polyev and his inflammatory style, how that could be interpreted as as being white supremacist. And I thought, you know what, you should have, you should have just not said the last statement. I would have had some respect for you. Well, the thing is, is that everything is a white supremacist statement these days. It, like it's it's unbelievable what is considered white supremacy now. Well, it's only like, cons- things that are completely unrelated to race are considered white supremacy now. <laughs> well, they are, but the only reason that that's the case is because they've got nothing else to attack Pierre Polyev on. And I mean, I remember in the Reform Party days, and one of the key organizers up in the Edmonton area was saying that, okay, before the election even starts, they're going to go after us on health care and racism. And what do you know? They always go after conservatives on health care and racism. You're going to cut health care and you're a bunch of bigots. And they've got absolutely nothing they can get on Pierre Polyev. So they're going to go with the race card. And it's uh, all I can think is, can you guys get any new material? Yeah, like, why don't you, um, oh, I don't know, look at one of Pierre Polyev's family photos the guy's definitely not a white supremacist. No, definitely not. And uh, one of his rallies, he actually had uh, acknowledged his family. And he, he said it on paraphrasing here. But he said, well, when you marry a Latina, you marry the whole family. So he said, thankfully, grandma's looking after the kids so that him and his wife could be at that rally tonight. And I thought, well, some white supremacist, he's not, uh, you know, daring to leave his kids with grandma. Wow. I mean, uh yeah, I mean, it's he's married to a Latina immigrant. I mean, how white supremacist of him. Yeah, exactly. And I, uh, now, for those of you who haven't heard that Jordan Peterson podcast, Pierre Polyev does actually say a lot of really good things in that podcast. And this whole uh, Anglo-Saxon thing comes right closer to the end of the hour-plus uh, long interview. And it was, I mean, to me, it was quite innocent. And I'm, I'm sure Pierre Polyev knew exactly what he was saying when he was saying that, what you know, the Anglo-Saxon words, because then he went on to say that, you know, he didn't go ahead and say it was simple speech, but he was just saying that, you know, he speaks directly to people, you know, using Anglo-Saxon words. And there was, I took nothing out of that as saying that, oh, because I'm a white Anglo-Saxon, um... Completely out of context, folks. Yeah. Well, he's not even of Anglo-Saxon descent. So, um, but the thing is, is that Anglo-Saxon words, and I mean, like like you explained earlier, they're just the shorter, more concise words that are in the English language. And so he's basically saying he, he uses, you know, more direct, more concise clearer, shorter words to 
to communicate with people, right? I mean, that's all he's saying. And, and anybody who says otherwise is, is the, the actual bigot. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, uh, yeah, and that is exactly what he's saying. He's just saying, hey, well, we're going to speak to people on their level, really, is what he's doing. And uh, honestly, Jordan Peterson does not do that. He talks in flowery professor language most of the time. So uh, I guess maybe they should be going after Jordan Peterson because he's not an Anglo-Saxon. He's just a different kind of white supremacist. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. He's a white supremacist that uses big words. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. That bastard. Exactly. Yep. No wonder he got cancelled. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So to stick on Pierre just a, a little bit here. His rallies are still off the charts, and we've got uh, Canada till June second to purchase memberships in the party if you're going to vote for Pierre Polyev or. Patrick Brown or whomever, and Patrick Brown is getting raked over the coals for, well, hiding away from debates. Now, there was a, uh, ind- uh, was it called Independent Press Gallery? Was that what it was called, Lewis, the debate? Where it was, I think so. Yeah. So they were and trying to invite some uh, the all the leadership candidates for the Conservative Party to attend this debate, and... Pierre actually turned them down. Only Jean Charest, Leslin Lewis, and Roman Baber accepted the invite. And big surprise, Patrick Brown decided not to not to go for it. But neither did Pierre nor Scott Aitchison. So I'm uh, I'm a little disappointed though, because you know Candace Malcolm and company would actually have asked some good questions. Yeah, I mean better than what is on your playlist. Well, I'm actually I was really curious to find out what they were binge watching. Were you? Oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I want to know what my prime minister binge watches. <laughs> Good God! It's it's like they, some of like I saw three. I don't know how many uh, popcorn questions there were, but I I counted three, and 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 there had to there might have been more, but I I just skipped. Like I was getting kind of like this is this is really stupid. So I just kept jumping forward until I found something about a question of substance. And but I I landed on three, and I don't know how many there actually were. But well, I gotta gotta think. There was the music. There was what book you're reading. Uh, who you want to have dinner with? And who do you want to have dinner with? Yeah. Yeah, so, oh, I, I must have missed that one. Yeah, what political figure they wanted to have dinner with. And then, yeah, the playlist, what book you're reading, what show you're binge-watching. So there's four fluff questions there. So, uh, oh, my God. Yeah, so, I mean, really that first, you know, sanctioned debate was a farce. So I really wish that Pierre and the other two would have signed up for the independent. Yeah, because there was a... a an independent debate before the first sanctioned one, and and that debate was better. Uh, I'm a, well, okay. Let me rephrase that. Pierre Polyev and Jean Charest were better in the second debate um, because they weren't yelling and calling each other names like they were in the first one. Um, but uh, but the questions in the first one were better. Absolutely, yeah. And I was actually giving credit to Jean Sharaf that he signed up for the independent, and then uh, I guess not enough did. So I'm very disappointed in Pierre Polyev that he did not sign up for the 
the independent yeah. debate, but yeah, me too. I mean, the, the thing with Jean Charest is that uh, like he's just coming off as an angry old man. Yeah, like every time he, like every debate he's been in, he's yelling at people, and like, uh, like he, even when he's just answering a question, he starts like yelling, and there's an edge to his voice, like he's like he's mad, and it's. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I don't know. It's it's not. It's not a good. It's not a good look. Well, I think then. Uh, I know you're going to be surprised to hear this, Lewis, but you probably were right in that when this whole leadership race started and he entered, that people really aren't taking him seriously. And and you had said, you know, very correctly that you know what a political chameleon he is, that he just tries to adapt to the room. And I think that's what's happening. I think people have just kind of tuned him out because I don't think people are taking him seriously. No, no, and they shouldn't. I mean, everybody knows he's a liberal. And I mean, the thing the thing that's crazy to me is how the media is portraying this as a as a Polyev versus Charest leadership race when Charest has less support uh, than Leslin Lewis. Oh, I hadn't I hadn't actually looked that up. That's wow. So that that's I mean, good to know. I mean, Pierre Polyev, this is a one-horse race, let's be real. Unless he does something really stupid, he's going to run away with this in the first ballot. I think that's true. Yeah, and I, uh, he's actually coming to my town, to Saskatoon, on May 31st. So I'm, I haven't RSVP'd yet, but I'm going to because I want to I wanna see him. And he's been really good so far from all the highlights that I've watched at staying on message. And I'm really impressed with that. He, he keeps hammering home the same message. He's got, he's got his lingo down pat, his Anglo-Saxon words. And, uh, I'm impressed. Yeah. I mean, he's been doing well. Uh, like I said, on the last show, I, there's, there's, he has rubbed me the wrong way a couple of times with, you know, just some arrogance popping through. Um, and saying things like if he's going to fire the the the, the uh, whatever the president of the Bank of Canada, yeah, um, governor, yeah, the governor of the Bank of Canada, he's going to fire them and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, okay, you know, you might you might want to fire the governor of the Bank of Canada, and and I would support you on that because the Bank of Canada has completely failed in their mission. Um, in the past two years, especially right now. And, um, but you know, maybe that's something you just don't advertise well, because that, that makes you look like a radical. Well, that's a good point. Cause I, back in the early nineties or mid nineties, Jean Chrétien and Paul Martin were, had butted heads with you know, the bank of Canada governor at that time and they just didn't renew him for a second term. So, I mean, they yeah. effectively fired him, but they just let him serve out his first term. So, uh, yeah, I'll give you that one. I mean, because, like, that's the things that the media are jumping on to say that he's an extremist, right? And so maybe you just don't advertise those things. You just do them once you get in. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think I could go with you on that. So. Yeah. 
All right. Well, Canada, we're coming up on our time here, so I think we'll wrap it there. So um, again, Ontario, if for those of you who live in Ontario and have not yet voted in the election, advanced polls are open until May 28th. Um, I'm not officially endorsing anybody, but uh, if you voted for anybody but Doug Ford at this point in time, I would question your sanity. Just going to say that. Yeah, well, I mean, like, you and I were not always the biggest fans of Doug Ford during the during COVID. Um, a lot of crazy stuff happened in Ontario during COVID. Oh, yeah. And uh, and I would not blame people for, for voting, you know, for not voting for Doug Ford because of those things. I wouldn't blame you at all. I, I'd be I'd be questioning my my vote if I lived in Ontario. Um, but the other candidates, the other parties, are proposing more of the same that happened during COVID. So. Even though I was not happy with Doug Ford during COVID, I'm endorsing Doug Ford and his government just because he's the le least insane out of the options. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's a good way to put it. Canada, vote for the least insane of the options. That's actually what we do every election, I think. <laughs> So. <laughs> oh boy that doesn't that doesn't say a lot about our political uh <laughs> standing in this country it's not not good yeah no kidding <laughs> all right Canada. Vote for the least insane that's vote, my advice vote for the least insane ontario and then uh until next week we'll uh we'll find out how you voted um i guess that's not true june 3rd we'll find out how you voted so um and until we talk next week, Canada, it is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. Good night. Good night, Canada. <laughs>